0: Build Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello friends, thank you so much for clicking on episode 109 of Disability After Dark. Hope you're doing well, and I'm excited you're here, and you want to shine a bright light on sex and disability with me. This is one, we've had a bunch of interviews this past few weeks, and I loved all of our guests Thank you all for coming on. But this one, this is an episode where you and I get, get cozy together and spend some quality cripple time together. I am so excited that we're going to do it. So get, get cozy, get comfy, have your care worker take off all your clothes, and let's get started. I said it was going to be episode 109. I lied. Actually, it's 110. Holy goodness me. I'm recording this one a little bit early before episode 109 comes out. That's why I got confused. But we're already at 110. Wow, thanks. Um, I have some other news. Come As You Are, our amazing sponsor agreed to sponsor us throughout 2019. So they're going to be our continuing sponsor, and I love their support. They're a great shop. They've done amazing work to elevate the voices of disabled people. They've, they've helped me grow. Um, if you go on their site and you're you're doing some shopping and you type in after dark, you can get free shipping. So that's pretty cool. Make sure you go do that. So that's comeasyouare.com and use promo code after dark. Thanks, come as you are. Some other things I want to share with you. Uh, we got our first $25 Patreon donation the other day. From Jennifer Pritchett, thank you so much. I was so shocked when I saw that come through because that's never happened before. Uh, This is amazing because this will help the show grow and continue. And I really want to use... I've been trying for months now to find ways to get um, transcripts of the show produced, but paying for transcriptions costs a ton of money that I, even with all the help from the Patreon supporters who I love, and thank you, even with all that help, I cannot have all the 110 episodes transcribed without it costing me thousands of dollars. So if you want to um, pledge to the show, this show and and when I was a disabled kid, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash content and this will help me not only get transcriptions, but have my... I have a research team in... Really, I have research people all, all over the place that are helping me with show ideas and, and listening to old episodes for me to find new angles and things. So they're helping me with that, and I want to pay them because they are also disabled. It's my it's my friend Ray out in Vancouver. I want to make sure that they get paid properly. So if you want to support the show again, triple Content or sort, patreon.com, Slash cripple content. Okay, I think I've plugged enough. Now let's not go on with the show. So, I want to get a new tattoo. And I can't really decide the kind of tattoo that I want to get. I've been thinking about having someone draw me as a sexy pinup in my wheelchair. That's something that I'm really excited about doing. Like having a sexy leather dude in a wheelchair look that looks like me. And I want to get the tattoo on my left, on my, on my, yeah, my left nipple, I think, because I have Queer Cripple on the right one, so I want to get this pin-up on my left nipple, like, just above or below my left nipple. But I'm also torn, because I want to get, if anybody's watching Netflix's hit show Big Mouth right now, I'm I'm totally obsessed with this show, and I really enjoy The Hormone Monster and The Hormone Monstress. And I kind of want to get the Hormone Monster, but I want to get him in if he was a wheelchair user. Because on that show, it's a really funny show and I love the show, but they have one disabled kid in that show. And they make some pretty ableist jokes. As much as I love the show, they make some really inappropriate ableist jokes about the disabled kid in that show. So I want to put the Hormone Monster in a wheelchair. And again, if you're not watching the show, get on it right now. It's on Netflix. Um... I want to put the Hormone Monster in a wheelchair because disabled kids have hormones and it would be an homage to all the hormones that I can't access or that I couldn't access when I was a disabled kid and some that I can't even access now. So I want to ask you, audience, which t- tattoo do you think I should get? Should I get Netflix's Big Mouth Hormone Monster in a wheelchair or should I get a sexy pinup in a wheelchair, and both of these would be over my my left nipple. What do you think? So I wanted to do an episode that looked at the tattoos I have, why I got them, and how they've influenced my experience of sexuality and disability, as well as how they've helped me come to terms with some of my body shame and the internalized ableism that I rustle, that I wrestle with so regularly. I, I want to say wrestle, and it keeps coming out Russell. so whatever. The, the internalized body shame that I wrestle with so regularly. Uh, I want to kind of explore how my desire for tattoos, and when I got tattoos, how they helped me to work through all that. I want to look at what each of them meant for me as a disabled person, and at what point I was in my life when I got each of them. In, my, in terms of my disabled growth and my experiences as a disabled person person trying to figure out all the things, trying to be sexualized with tattoos, as a disabled person, did I maybe get tattoos for the boys to, f- to fuck my disabled body? It's highly possible. Were the placements of these tattoos for me or for hot boys to see me as we made out? It, it's possibly the second one. Um, And then I want to explore some of the logistics of getting a tattoo as a physically disabled person and how sometimes we have to consider certain areas of the body that may or may not be the sexiest places because of pain or inability to transfer, etc. There are so many sexy, quote-unquote sexy places where people get tattoos like their back or like their bum or sometimes their cock gets tattooed, I've seen that. And those are considered like sexy spots, but when you're disabled, you have to consider very specific areas because of the way your body works, and I want to talk about that a little bit, Um, and and we'll go over all of that. Okay, so let's get the show started. When I was little, I would always see movies featuring big burly men with tattoos, and if I'm honest, I initially resisted the idea of tattoos because... I understood, even though I didn't have the words for it then, that my body was different and weird in some way, and I felt that I wasn't deserving of body art, and, like, I was like, oh, that never happen for me, because I'm disabled, and I knew this from a really young age. I remember watching movies like Con Air and, like, The Prince of... I think it was The, the Princess Bride, and one of, the, one of the characters had tattoos, I think, somewhere, uh, and I would see these characters, and I would be like, oh, I'm never going to get a tattoo. That's for, like, big, strong men, and I'm not like that because I have a disabled body. Um, and I didn't deserve it because my body was broken. I, and the, I, I specifically remember watching these shows and feeling that and being envious of, like, the body art because seeing men with body art or anybody with body art denoted that they were strong enough to, like, take a needle or something, and I always felt like, oh, no, I'm disabled. That'll never happen for me. So the start of this... this internalized ableism around my body, even with looking at characters with tattoos, started early. Um, I also felt that I couldn't get a tattoo because then I might be, quote, bad, and then I would add to people's perception of my body, and then I would add to my own body shame. So because I was disabled and already seen as bad, I shouldn't get a tattoo because then I would be extra bad. So I have to do I had to do as much as I could to be good, and getting a tattoo was would not be quote unquote good. And that's something that I thought for a while when I was like in twelve and thirteen and fourteen. That's kind of what I thought about people with tattoos is that that if I did it as a disabled person I would be going against some like good script that I was supposed to follow and I couldn't do it because it would I would be seen as bad and my body would be seen as as shameful. I also felt for a long time because I'm because I was disabled that my body had been through enough pain, I was through a bunch of surgeries as a kid, I went through being having brain damage, I went through dying three times, why would I do this to myself, and why would I scar myself, and why would I willingly hurt myself anymore? That's kind of one of the voices that I had in my head when I thought about tattoos, and I thought about my body, and I thought about all that stuff, I was like, why would I put myself through more pain when I've been through so much already? Looking back on it too, I'm sure there was an, an element of internalized homophobia there because all the all the burly men in the shows with tattoos, I thought they were attractive and I probably didn't want to bring attention to the fact that I liked dudes with tattoos. I still do. I think they're so fucking beautiful and I'm all about tattoos. Although there are certain tattoos that I'm not a, I'm not a fan of anymore, like the queer tribal tattoo thing that a lot of people do. That's not my jam. But people who have tattoos that really mean something for them and that are important for them and that they can pull that off and they, and those tattoos give them confidence, that's hot. And I'll talk a little bit more about my experience of tattoos and confidence and disability right now. When I was younger too, I was also really worried that if I got a tattoo as a disabled person, my care workers would see what I got tattooed with. And they would then judge me, and I didn't want to be judged by my care workers. So I was very concerned about what the able-bodied people in my life thought about me getting a tattoo. I was worried about what my mom thought. I was worried about, like, how my family would perceive me getting a tattoo, and, like, what would they think if I went and did it on my own, and oh my goodness. Um, So I was really concerned about what other people thought. Uh, I didn't want to be judged. And so the idea of getting a tattoo, it scared me, because I didn't want other people's perceptions of me to change even more than they already were, because I was disabled. Of course, though, as I got a little bit older, I loved the idea of being an outsider, and I loved the idea that tattoos showed that I was kind of deviant, and I was a disabled deviant, and that I didn't give any fucks, and that I didn't really care, and I was like... I was cool that way, and so the idea of... The idea around tattoos being uh, being a symbol of deviance, and like going against the grain, and being kind of kind of, a different one from the pack, really, really steel, still even really appeals to me right now. And I think that's really sexy when you're like, yeah, I got this tattoo because I wanted it, and I don't care what anyone else thought. And so I'm definitely telling all of you with disabilities right now, if you're able to get a tattoo and if you're able to do it, And if you want to get one, I think all disabled people, if they're able to and they want to, should get a tattoo that speaks to their disability, because I just think they're really sexy. And I urge all of you, if you're able to, both financially and physically, to do a tattoo, get one about your disability and own that shit and wear that with pride, uh, because I think it's really, really important. The first time I got a tattoo, it was 2003. So it was about 15 years ago. I was 19, and I had just moved into my university town. And my very very best friend was going to get her very first tattoo. And she wanted me to go with her. And she was like, Andrew, come, come. We'll go to a shop. We'll do it together. It'll be great. This great bonding moment. And I remember being so very reluctant and telling her, oh, no, no, I couldn't do it. And I, no, no way. No way. No way. I'm not going to get one. No, no way. And I remember trying to convince her that no tattoo artist would work with me because I was disabled. I have spastic C P how am I gonna do this? There's no way that this is gonna be accessible. I can't do this. Like I was really nervous in my own I all the stuff that I just talked about was welling up inside me and I didn't I was scared. So my friend who takes no fucks from anybody was like, No Andrew, you're coming. Come with me now. We're gonna do this And so we found a, we found a tattoo shop in Ottawa, Canada, who who I don't I don't remember where it was or who did it, but we found a guy who agreed to to do to do my tattoo, and I remember my friend had to go in there and flirt with him. And like, look, my friend's really disabled, and he wants to do this. Would you help him? And so she she was she flirted with him and was batted her eyes a little bit and like talked me up, and he agreed to. But I remember they had to like bring me in the shop and like tie my arm down. um, and and he was all concerned about like how how we were gonna do this, and she kept saying no 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 it's fine. And I was scared, but she was like no Andrew this is this will be great let's do this. So for the first tattoo I, dec- I decided on a symbol that I created when I was sixteen years old. It's like if you take two of those squiggly lines on your computer just below the escape sign and you put the at sign in the middle and then you put another another. Um, squiggly line in the middle. It kind of looks like a flying ad sign with angel wings. And so I made this, I made this like symbol when I was 16 to, to like, it was my symbol. It was like, it was like when Prince had a symbol, I had one. So I, I used this symbol everywhere when I was 16. It was my first attempt at like, this is my identity. This is who I am. Um, I use this in emails. I use this in, in, uh, pictures. I use this in day-to-day conversation i wanted to even get like a necklace with it or something so i thought it was a really cool i was really really into it i was i really was like yeah this is me this is who i am i'm gonna own this and blah blah so so it was my way of striking out and finding something that was just mine and i think it was important for me as a disabled person to to do that and it it just felt really really important for me to have a symbol that was mine and if I look at it now, it actually—I'm looking at it on my, on my arm. It's on my left shoulder, and I'm looking—I'm looking at it there. And it kind of looks like a—it kind of looks like a wheel. So it, there is some some vague disability importance there. And I remember asking the artist to put it there, and I, I was envisioning like guys rubbing my shoulder when we were making out and touching it. And I was thinking about ever—all the tattoos had to be on my, on my upper body because my upper body was the most accessible part to both me and to a lover, and it's one that I could easily access if I wanted to, like, show off my tattoos. I could just pull up my sleeve and do it on my, on my own if I wanted to impress somebody or be like, look, I'm sexy, I have tattoos too. Um, so I remember telling him to put it there for that reason. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of musculature. I don't I don't have a lot of musculature in the common spots, but I did in my shoulder and this was an accessible body part that again everybody could easily access when we were playing. So it tied into my sense of queerness and manhood with my disability. I also knew that if I got it there in on my shoulder, I wouldn't go spastic and punch the poor tattoo artist in the face. <laughs> Looking back on it though, there was a certain element of internalized ableism and internalized homophobia about this particular tattoo. My best friend, when we were when it was all done being traced, she was like, "Oh goodness, get some rainbow, get some color on it." And I remember being like, "No, no, no, I can't get any color because it's too gay." And I know I just said that at the time it looked like. No, that that right now it looks the the tattoo that I have looks a bit a little bit like a wheel. It's rounded, and at the time I remember the tattoo had no real discernible connection to my disability. It does now when I see it there. But when I was when I was nineteen, getting my tattoo for the first time, I didn't feel like it did, and I was happy with that because I wasn't as brash and I had spoken about my disability activism as I am now. And I didn't want someone thinking that, of course he has a wheelchair tattooed on him. I wanted them to think that my disability was just a part of me and not the whole part. Oh, how times would change, young Andrew. Oh, how times would change. Ironically enough, I remember making fun of a friend of mine who got the wheelchair symbol, the blue wheelchair symbol, on his arm some years later, and I I told other people, like, oh, he he's too into his disability. I can't believe he got a tattoo of a wheelchair on his arm. And I kept being like, oh, nobody's going to find that sexy. That's lame, which is ridiculous and super ableist. And now that I've grown up a little bit more and I've, I've gotten past that and I've really embraced disability politics and identity, I love that he did that, and I think it's really... I love that he had the balls to put that tattoo on his body. And hi, Tim Rose. I think you're awesome. I hope you're listening. I hope that that you and Natalie, your beautiful wife, is listening. And hey, thanks for starting that trend. For me, anyway, you're awesome. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark. But first, we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners. So... We'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker-owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Are you fascinated by mysterious legends, the paranormal, or UFOs? Do stories of murder, missing persons, and con men send you down internet rabbit holes? Did you grow up watching the TV show Unsolved Mysteries? Does Robert Stack's voice haunt your nightmares? Then our podcast is for you. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. Join us every Wednesday as we discuss the original Robert Stack episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. Follow along with us on Amazon Prime or just tune in for our weekly podcast. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and social media at... Perhaps it's you. And we're back. Thanks, Come As You Are, for being an awesome sponsor. Really appreciate all your help. And thank you to all of you who send in your voice clips. If you want to send in a clip to let me know what the show means for you and you want to hear your clip on an ad break, you can do so by sending a a 20-second voice memo clip, which you can take on your phone, to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. You can say something like, Hi, my name is blank. And I love the show because Andrew's funny, sexy, and his voice turns me on. Um, And I listen to Disability After Dark, and you should too. Something like that, you can send it to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. But now, back to the show. So now I want to move to the story of my second tattoo. And this one I got in 2009, and this one I got is of Simba from The Lion King, but not the cartoony Simba from the movie movie. The Simba that Rafiki draws on the tree when he's telling Simba about the circle of life or whatever and he draws on the tree to say you're the chosen king or whatever. When he draws that Simba, I wanted that on my on my arm. I wanted that one. I I was in love with that symbol from when I was a little boy and I wanted that one for sure. Um I can say with so much certainty that this particular tattoo, I definitely did it to get some D and to impress a boy. I was in grad school and I had a huge crush on this other grad student that I had met at the student coffee bar there. It should be noted that back in 2009 when I was in the throes of academia studying the law and disability, I I was really into pretentious coffee bars as a weird symbol that I was growing up. The weird thing about me in pretentious coffee bars is that because I have spastic CP, I can't really grab on to anything hot or drink anything that's super hot because I'll fling it across the room and I'll throw it everywhere. So there have been many times in grad school where I would go to these pretentious coffee bars and we had one that was like right off our university library. So I would go there and I would just sit by myself in my wheelchair attempting to look smoldering and sexy in my wheelchair, but really and truly, let's be real about it, I just kind of looked extra constipated all the time. I was I was trying to pinch a loaf every time I was smoldering, which is why, again, reminder, if anybody's doing photo shoots with me and you ask me to smize with my eyes, you'll probably get a combination of smolderingly constipated for me. That's what you'll probably get. Just a side note. Anyway, this hot grad student who I was definitely into and who I definitely wanted to sleep with was going home to see his family one weekend and I somehow convinced him that we should go together and that it would be totes cool if he did my care. I'm not sure how I convinced him that he should do my care and be my friend-tendon for the weekend, but I remember him being kind of reluctant and unsure and being like, oh, okay, cool, like what would that entail, like what does that mean? And me having to spend ample time with him, reassuring him that it would be okay. I showed him how to help me pee and do all of the things I needed him to do, and it was really important for me that he saw this because it would mean that he would see all this and then we would clearly fall in love with each other or fall in lust or we'd have some sex during his, during his trip home. That was my plan, for sure anyway. I was sure we were going to sleep together. Side note, he was totally straight. I wasn't going to sleep with him at all. But in my young brain, I wanted to believe that that was true. Um, I remember we stayed with his folks and one night we went out to this Montreal tattoo parlor at like 9pm and it was like this really cool, hip, like, tattoo parlor and he had talked to the artists in French, and got them to, like, he's like, oh, je m'appelle, mon ami, mon ami, le tatou, all this stuff in French. And he, he, they carried me up the stairs, and they put me in, like, a proper tattoo chair this time, because I didn't bring my chair. So, him carrying me up the stairs, I misinterpreted it as, like, this weird, sexy, masculine thing. And this would, like, solidify the fact that Him seeing me get a tattoo would mean that he saw me as strong and therefore we'd have sex. Um, So they put me in this proper tattoo chair, which is super uncomfortable when you're spastic. And I think they tied my arm down again, I'm pretty sure. And they put Simba on my right bicep. And again, I got it there so I could display my macho persona. I got it there because I was like, oh... My right bicep is a place where dudes have muscles and I want to feel like one of the group. And so having a tattoo of my right bicep, which was, again, one of the most accessible spots for me on my body, was important. Um, and the whole time they were tattooing me, I kept retelling him and the tattoo artist all the stories about how I had rods in my spine and how I could handle anything and how I was still so, so strong and it, nothing hurt me and I was... And I was hoping he would see it as a sign that I was, like, really strong and therefore really sexy. One of the reasons I got Simba on my right side, too, was because my mom, when I was a kid, used to tell me that my right side was a lion and my left side was a tiger in order to get me to do... Um, range of motion exercises, which I absolutely hated as a child. So she would tell me that my right side was a lion, and my left side was a tiger, and they had to fight. And it, it was her way of getting me to do like stretches and finger stuff and all the stuff that I didn't like. But if you told me it was a lion because I love lions, I would pay attention to that. So I got it that I got it for that reason. And also in the early 2000s, from 2000 to 2003, my dad was one of the rhinos in, in the Lion King play in Toronto, and I thought it was a nice tribute to him. So there, there are reasons, there's disability reasons why I got the tattoo, which are related to my disability, but again, I was happy at this point that my tattoo didn't show that I was overtly disabled again, because I wanted it to, to have some meaning just for me. Um, and then after I got this tattoo, my friend carried me down the stairs and we went back to his place. Um, nothing happened and after the tattoo and after our weekend we got back to school and he told me that I was too much work for him and it was too much work that we hung out together and we shouldn't hang out anymore really like and so we kind of stopped hanging out after that um, and I love the tattoo because now when I look at it it does remind me that I'm strong but I regret that I use my disability as a way for me to as a way for me to handle anything and that's not that's just not true um I regret that I said like oh yeah I have rods on my spine so I can do I'm disabled so I can do whatever I want which which is just internalized ableism being worked through I think I also regret that I got the tattoo to impress a boy that I thought was that thought I was too much work for him boo younger Andrew don't do that again yeah never get a tattoo to impress a boy that's the moral of that story. I will say this, though. I do love it when I, sh- when I pull up my sleeve and, and a lot of gay men see this tattoo and I say, oh, it's Simba from The Lion King. And they all go, wow, that's really hot. So I do appreciate that gay men love Simba from The Lion King and we're all into him. So it, it's, it definitely has helped me gain some traction when I take my shirt off, for sure. So thanks, Disney. <laughs> tattoo number three, I got, and I call this one my squiggly wheelchair symbol. If you've followed any of my branding, any of the branding for this show, any of the any of the stuff you've seen on my social media, you've probably seen a variation of this symbol somewhere. I got this tattoo seven years later in 2016 when I was on a work trip to Vancouver. And this one is particularly special for me because it... it it's totally related to the work that I do now as a disability awareness consultant and crippled content creator. Um, it's on my business cards. It's on all the stuff I do. A friend of mine, when we were looking at ways to connect disability and queerness, came up with it a couple years ago and she drew this for me. We, I remember we, we were sitting on my couch and we were just talking and hanging out uh, and she drew it in her in her sketchbook and it just... It, it kind of came, I said I want to do a different type of wheelchair symbol. I want to do something that is abstract and like fun and different. And she drew this and I fell in love with it right away. Um, and I love that it's full of color. It's basically, if, I'm, if I was to describe it to you, it's, it's like a squiggly line, all squiggly line, but it, it culminates into a, a wheel. It looks so It looks like a person in a wheelchair with a rainbow wheel. And I love it so much for that. Um, it's on my left shoulder, just below the other symbol that I made for myself. And this one is a great conversation piece for dudes that I'm into, because they last me things like, oh, what's that tattoo, man? What does it mean? As they're taking off my shirt, as we're like making out, and they're touching me, they can be like, what does this mean? And I get to be like, actually, it's really important. And it's, um, it's not just an abstract thing. It's actually a wheelchair user. If you look closer there, it's the first tattoo that I got that really that really put all of my life's work in my new path. Where I gave up on the idea of doing something around disability to please other people and really embraced that this queer disability thing is something I can do and something I have a handle on. And I, every time I look at it and every time someone, someone, a sexy guy touches that part of my arm or sees that tattoo and is curious, I it makes me beam with pride. So, if we're ever making out and you see that tattoo and you want to know what it is and I tell you, you better as fuck know it's going to turn me on to tell you, so ask me about it, please. Please do. Tattoo number four is one that I got just this past January. So, at the beginning of the year, I, I wanted to get a new tattoo and I thought about it for a few months, and in a lot of my work and in a lot of what i do and you see it on my social media too i refer to myself quite openly as a queer cripple and i wanted to get those two words just simply those two words on my body somewhere because those are words that i use and that i've reclaimed for myself as words of empowerment and words that are that are that mean something really 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 important for me in what i do and who i am um and I, I started telling people that I wanted to get this is the tattoo. And I had people tell me, oh, no, Andrew, you can't get those words on your body. Those words are slurs. Those words are inappropriate. Don't get that in your body. It's like It would be like if you got the word faggot on your body. I have friends who have the word faggot tattooed on their body. And I say, good for them. I think that's fucking awesome. If you want to own that and make that part of who you are, great. Um, so... I had a lot of people tell me, please don't do it, Andrew, it's not smart, it's not what, it's not, it's not even safe for you to do that, don't do it. But I was like, no, no, I really, really want to, it's important for me, I'm going to get it done. Um, And so, and and then I was like, where am I going to put it? So I decided that I wanted to put it on my nipple, just under my, just above my left nipple, on my chest is where I got it. And I did this in part because I love chests. I think chests are really hot, and I think I have a fucking nice chest. I have, I'll describe my chest to you right now. It's a a nice chest with a little bit, a dusting of body hair, if you will. Um, And it's a bit concave because of the disability, Um, but I think it's really sexy. And I did this in part because I wanted boys to see the tattoo and touch my chest. Um, and I went with one of my friends who does my intended care when I travel. Her name is Rita, and we hang out all the time, and I remember even her saying, are you sure that's what you want to get on you? But okay, yeah, we'll do it. Um, And so a day or two after I got it, I had sex with, with somebody, and the guy was kissing it and said it looked really hot, and so I was super happy because it had the exact intended effect. I wanted a guy to look at that, tattoo and to see that it was sexy and to then we would have great sex after he saw it. And that's literally what happened. And like I said earlier, when my attendants saw it, they were like, oh, why would you get queer cripple on your body? Like, that's not cool. Why did you get this? And they like, tried to dissuade me to get it removed. Some people said that I was being unfunny and it was not a joke, this experience, and I, I, I remember saying to one of my attendants who was helping me shower one morning, I said, no, it's not a joke, that's exactly why I have it on there. It's an important, it's an important two words for me to look at my body every time I get a shower, every time I see myself, so that I cannot, so that I do not minimize this experience of disability for myself, and these tattoos help, help to ground that for me, and also, again, like that guy and I did, when he was grabbing my chest and we were messing around, it was so hot to have him grab or touch with his hand, queer cripple, and it it was a bit tender at the time, so when him doing that, it felt kind of hot, but it was really sexy to have somebody grab that and have that be a part of our sex play because it cemented that for both of us, I think, for him to realize that I was disabled and... For me to realize that I was disabled and queer on that moment with somebody, it was really, really powerful to have sex with that tattoo on my body. In doing research for this piece, I found out that a lot of people with invisible disabilities will use the art of tattooing to, to create t- tattoos that they can put on their bodies to show that they're invisibly disabled. I thought that was really cool. Um, I think it's really important, and there's a bunch of tattoos that I found that denote mental illness and chronic pain and disability, and some really cool ones that I'll put on in that I'll put on the Facebook page and I'll put on the Twitter page that I can share. I think it's really, really awesome that we can use this artistry to discuss disability, and it's cool that disability is coming in to art that way. We really rarely see. Neat abstractions of disability or mental health, or invisible disabilities, or sensory disabilities. And tattooing can be a way to explore all of that and express all of that. And this is just a side note to all you parents out there, just randomly as I was thinking about it. If you're gonna get a tattoo of your child, that's cool. but don't get I've seen I saw some tattoos when I was doing research also of parents who would get like, Really inspirational porn tattoos of their kid on their body of what about their about their child's disability? Don't do that. That's not sexy or cool, and your kid doesn't want to see that and be insp- inspo porned f- on your body forever. Just parents of disabled kids, please don't do that. Please. Now I want to talk about some of the other places that I would get tattoos if I could, but I can't because disability and spastic stuff. So I would love to get a tattoo on my inner forearm, but I'm pretty sure if I did that, I would like punch somebody out because disability and spasms and stuff. And I would also love to get a tattoo. um, I would love to get one kind of on my calf because I have no calf muscle to speak of in any way. And I think Guys with calf muscles. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in the show before. I think guys with calf muscles are really attractive. Um, and I just love calves because I don't have them. So I would want to get like a douche bro tat on my on my like right or left calf. Just to be like, yeah, I have leg muscles. My legs can do things too, blah. But if I got it right now, I'm pretty sure that the needle would like break through the bone. Because it's all I have there. I was also thinking about getting a tattoo on my ass because... Because I sit down a lot, my ass sometimes gets really numb. So I wouldn't actually even feel the pain. And if somebody was to eventually fuck me up the ass, which I still hope really happens because I haven't engaged in anal sex yet and I'm dying to try, still really want to get fucked up the ass. Somebody should make that happen. Um, I would love to get like... When I was, <laughs> when I was 15, my sister was helping me go pee one day and she wrote, she made me part of the Pen15 Club and she wrote Pen15 on my bum and so I kind of ironically want to get Pen15 on one of my ass cheeks with an arrow up there just to be cheeky and kind of funny and an homage to that weird part of my teenagehood um, and it, and so maybe I'll get that on my ass but I want, to get, I want to get a tattoo somewhere where I can't because I love that they're on my chest and my arms but I do really want them on places where I wouldn't normally have them because of disability. Like, I want them on places where my disability causes problems for me. And that's basically it. That's that's the episode. Those are my thoughts on sexuality, disability, and tattoos, and how, how when I was younger, my tattoos were my way of figuring out disability and kind of running away from disability. And then as I get older, it's how I embrace disability and... I think it's hot when guys, in my case, when guys see me with my tattoos that represent disability and we get to fuck around and then talk about that. I think that's a a, a really sexy thing. So if you want to mess around with with me and my disability tattoos, let me know. Also, if you're disabled and you can't afford to get a a tattoo, because I know they're not necessarily financially accessible to all of us, if you can afford to get a tattoo, I again say... Get one that represents your disability, you'll be really happy you did, and you'll be able to confront your own internalized feelings about disability when you, every time you look at that tattoo. Thanks for listening, y'all. Come back next week. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripplecontent. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing, you help support content made but made, by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time, right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ugiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright, Cripple Content Creations, 2018.